a show from 10 to 2 and it has a hundred laughs a day charlatans stuck at work each day hear them talk about the teens and there's a host who's really slimmed down and he tells about boom boom town they say wilson thanks for coming around we sure won't forget this time but baker said wilson why you leaving what a good team we could be such a good you team. realize we had to save the team from sammy d Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. That is the hack song of the week. The final Nick Wilson show hack song. The Through the Looking Glass homage. You had me at blah, blah, blah. You did. Uh, send in your grades for the hack song of the week. It is uh, 704-570-9610. And uh, we ask you guys, again, uh, Hacksaw's in studio with us, so we're going to hang out, get more thoughts. we got the gold brick ceremony coming up in 40 minutes. It is the final voyage of the Nick Wilson show, which is perfect because that song is about sailing. And it's from Guardians of Galaxy 2, which I really like as well. And all week, my promise to you guys this week is... There would be no guest just because of a sports topic. There'd be no guest just to have a guest, which I don't really do anyways. But I only wanted guests on my show this week that I really liked, either personally, professionally, really admired. And our next guest is 100% in that same vein. You know him from the Draft Exchange podcast, one of the great NFL draft nicks out there. Uh, Trevor Sykema on the guest line. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Nick, appreciate you having me on as always, man. It's quite the honor to be on on your final day here on the radio waves in Charlotte. So I appreciate you having me, man. Well, always happy to chop it up with you, my guy. I do have to ask you, did you get to listen to the Hack Song of the Week? Of course, I always do. That's that's what I love so much about coming on your show is you guys often time it to where I am the guest getting to wait while I get to hear the Hack Song Song of the Week. And you're right. It was, you know, a guard, the Guardian of the Galaxy part was right there the lyrics were on par as always i mean the the voice is a mix between fergie and jesus we all know that and so just a, just a wonderful a wonderful rendition there from hacksaw what grade we giving it it's got to be an a come uh, on yeah. come on i'm not gonna give it anything other than that here on the final day so we i told my in the first segment of the show i i told my charlotte uh origin story my first time here as a member of the station when I was on a tryout. And that, that got us into the conversation of what or who has or what people have the best origin story in sports. When I say best origin story in sports, you also love the comic book movies as well, so I know you'll get this. What what are the, the names of guys or a guy that might come to mind there? So are, are you talking about like anybody like getting to Charlotte or the NFL or which one are we talking about? Uh, the just NFL, NBA, sports in general, origin stories. I mean, right off the top of my head, Jordan Mailata being a rugby player, somehow making it to be the high, like a highest paid left tackle on the Philadelphia Eagles. Like that's, that's the one that currently that stands out to me the most. I mean, that's a, that's the guy who started his sports career playing something that he had no idea he was going to be a millionaire in another area. So that's that's got to be the one currently that stands out to me. I just can't imagine being on a rugby a rugby pitch and you look up 
and there's a six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pound guy running opposite of you. Like I, I'm, I qualify as a large human being. I'm like six foot four. I'm anywhere between two ninety and three hundred, and I, and that would scare the crap out of me. I, that that that's why the Philadelphia Eagles gave them all that money because somehow you know actually when you think about it if if enough enough of their running backs go down you can just hand the ball off to Jordan Mailata or if enough of their linebackers go down you can maybe have them play both ways like remember the Titans so yeah that's a, that's one that stands out to me as as a crazy one of how he got to where he is now now you're cooking with fire uh, big guys running for touchdowns is why I'm on this planet uh, let's get to uh, some more NFL-specific talks here. Let, let, we'll we'll launch into, I don't think I've heard your Baker Mayfield to Carolina take. When you look at this deal, uh, one, did you like the deal? And two, what do you think it means for the Panthers in 2022? Yeah, I mean, this was, this was always the best deal for both parties, I think. You know, a lot of people talked about the Seattle Seahawks being a potential destination. Uh, people got spicy and talked about, uh, you know, Daniel Jones playing on his last year of his contract. Maybe he goes to the New York Giants, but... It was always Carolina, I think. Their situation was one where he could really step in right away and be an upgrade at the quarterback position. And look, the longer Cleveland went on with this thing, especially for when it came out, how disgruntled it seems like Baker was, how they went about the Deshaun Watson situation, Cleveland was never going to get out of this well, if you will, or getting much back in return. This was always going to be something where they were giving away a potential franchise quarterback, a former number one overall pick, for pennies on a dollar. Like they, they were never really going to get anything back from it. So I think Carolina did a really nice job of using time, the waiting game to their advantage to get the most out of getting Baker. And I think that it was just always this situation for them. So you know, Cleveland dug themselves a hole. There's no way they could have gone into training camp with Baker Mayfield. It would have been an absolute media circus. If that would have been the case, they didn't want that. So Carolina did a good job. They waited. They got a great price for him. And he's a clear upgrade. He is. Even even if nothing else but for hope, for something to look forward to, for a reason to believe, if, if you went into this upcoming season with Matt Rule being on thin ice as he is and with Sam Darnold playing as poorly as he has being the only viable quarterback option, what does that tell you about selling tickets, about getting hyped for the team, about believing that the right guys are in charge? This at least gives you an ability to believe in something. And I think that Baker has some things left in the tank. And I think that he, there's a chance that he really could surprise people here in Carolina. Trevor, I want to build on that last point that you had there. Because I, I've heard people um, refer to Baker as a game manager quarterback, and I, which I think is an asinine way. To me, a game manager quarterback is somebody that is limited physically, mostly from the arm talent, right? You're not going to see a guy have the physical talent to, to the Red River Rifle. Andy Dalton had a had a nice arm at its peak. It was never a really good arm. I think Baker's arm, while not elite, I think it takes him out of the conversation for game manager, and I think there's a chance that we haven't seen the ceiling of Baker Mayfield yet. Do you feel like, feel free to pick apart whatever you just heard in my answer is what I'm saying here. Yeah, I don't think, I definitely don't think that Baker is a game manager quarterback. Now, can he be better at decision-making? Sure. But like at his core, he is a gunslinger. Like that's what he is. He wants to win the game with his arm. That's not really a game manager kind of guy. That's a game manager quarterback is more of somebody who understands the weapons that they have around them wants to get the ball in their hands as quickly as possible. And I think Baker Mayfield likes to keep the ball in his hands, not to say that, you know, he wants to be selfish with it, but he likes to hold on. He likes the deep ball. He likes to 
be the one to make the play, if you will, at the end of the day. He wants to be remembered for that as much as the other players do. And again, people can hear that and say, oh, well, that sounds like more of a selfish quarterback. That's not what I mean at all. I'm just saying that Baker seems to not be a guy who is afraid to have the ball in his hands, to be afraid to carry it in big moments and to keep looking down the field and to make the correct throws, even if it means hanging in the pocket, keeping the ball a little bit longer, being tough uh, around the tackles. And so uh, that's why I think that, no, I, I don't believe he is a game manager quarterback. I don't think that he is extremely limited to that point. It's just a matter of, can he get the confidence that he needs to, to be that kind of a quarterback that Cleveland thought they were getting when they were drafting him number one overall. And then, I mean, there was so much judgment on him last year, and he was hurt. He was playing hurt, more hurt than we thought. So all of that, I think, is context. We always want to jump to the easy answers. Ah, Baker's had a couple of bad games. Nah, he's trash. He's trash. Nah, I get to write him off. I don't have to analyze him anymore. I don't have to care about it. It's not the case. I mean, we, we saw good flashes of him, and he was just hurt last year. Baker's one of the few people I've ever seen play through significant injury and somehow get vilified. It is it is mystifying to me, even in even in the Cleveland media. I think Cleveland fans mostly still supported Baker Mayfield. I'm speaking for them. I, maybe I shouldn't do that, but like it's been wild to me how he's been vilified in that. So let's look to the NFC South then. How do you think? I mean, obviously Tampa Bay's at the top. How do you think? the teams fall in line here on paper after Tampa Bay and the NFC South? I think that just talent overall, you've got to think that the Saints should be number two. Now, with Jameis Winston as your quarterback, we all know that anything can happen at any given time. And so, you know, you're making a change at head coach. I know they're thinking they're keeping familiarity within the coaching staff, promoting one of their own up to head coach, but it's not Sean Payton, right? So you figure there's going to be a change there. It's not Drew Brees either, as it hasn't been for a couple of years now. So, that big change is, is, is going to show that I think that there are some vulnerabilities in the armor with the Saints being one of the uh, better teams in the NFC South. I think that that second spot is wide open. And I really do think that, sure, you think that New Orleans has the, uh, the, the incumbent status of being that second team there. But if Carolina figures it out, they could compete for that second spot in the NFC. Now, will that mean that that's a playoff spot? I don't know. But Baker could turn around, and they've got all great offensive weapons. The offensive line is improving. Christian McCaffrey, you hopefully get him for another healthy year. And last time that happened, he was a 1,000-1,000 guy. The young defense, getting older, getting more mature. You get J.C. Horn back, right? All of these things can play into Carolina's favor, which I think really helps them out compete for that second spot in the division. I think Atlanta, oh, man, there's uh, they are too devoid of talent, I think, to really compete and be that second-best team in the division. I still think they're a year or two away from that, but – there is reason to believe that it could be a battle between Carolina and New Orleans for that second spot. Traditionally, that has meant a wild card berth because this division has been so talented. Not so sure it would mean that this year, but who knows? You'll have to see how many games they actually win. It's interesting to see the the discrepancy between the AFC, where I really do think a a team that could potentially compete for a title or at the very uh, you know, the conference title at the very least could very well be left out of the playoff hunt this year. And then in the NFC, it's you got three teams. You got Green Bay, the Rams, and Tampa Bay. If I were to cement those in today as the, the elite teams, give me the four teams that you think for the NFC that will be the playoff teams behind them or have the best chance to be the playoff teams behind them. Yeah, so I think that, you know, even when you mention the Rams, and there's reason to believe that the Rams might regress a little bit. So that's, that's not a huge guarantee. 
Uh, and that division as well, when you look at the NFC West, uh, the Cardinals, I think, are in for big regression. I don't think a lot of people are betting heavy on them again this year. The Niners, okay, you're going in with Trey Lance. Even if you believe it, it might not be there. The Seahawks uh, probably are not going to be really competitive. We already went over the NFC South. Bears didn't do a lot to really help Justin Fields. The Vikings, I think, probably get in by default. So there's one team there. The Cowboys are another team. I, I think the Eagles are good enough, and I, I like where Nick Sirianna was going to where I think the Eagles could once again be a wild card team. And look, I know it might sound a little bit crazy here, but the team that is the biggest sleeper that I would believe in would be the Detroit Lions, right? And I think that the Lions had so many games last year where they were close. They were so close. They just did not have the talent. They didn't have the experience. They didn't have the continuity. But a lot of infused talent over the last couple of years in the draft. Hopefully you're getting Jeff Okuda back. Hopefully Aiden Hutchinson's hitting the ground running. You you're hoping you get Jamison Williams midway through the year and he can be a dynamic receiver weapon for them. Like that is a team that I think might even elevate themselves uh, to potentially a wild card status. I think that Washington, the, the commanders there, they obviously are getting Carson Wentz in. I think that you have to consider them, but if I had to go with four teams outside of those three, there to make the playoffs. I'd say the Cowboys. I would still say the Eagles. I would say the Vikings. And then I think the 49ers. I, I got I got faith in Kyle Shanahan to figure it out. I would say the 49ers would be that other team there. I uh, I don't think the Lions have enough kneecap biters yet. They're close, yes. Trey, but yes. I don't think. I mean, two years. How how many kneecap biters can you really import inside two drafts? Yeah, no, it is a uh, th- that kneecap cuisine strategy is a, it's a multi-year thing. There's no doubt about it. You got to keep building. You got and, and you never stop building. You never stop searching for kneecap biters. Uh, the way the way you scout them is you just go to uh, you know Cannibals Anonymous and then you just see you know who looks you know who looks like a left tackle, who looks like a defensive tackle. Follow this man on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Uh, check out the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, Trey. You're fantastic, buddy. Best to you and Alyssa and everybody. We we appreciate the hell out of you, buddy. Nick, I appreciate every time you have me on the show, man. It was always a blast. Best of luck to you and your future, man. I know it's going to be nothing uh, but bright lights, my friend. All the best. You are too damn kind. Trevor Sickerman there on the guest line. And I... It, it feels weird because I'm putting uh, some of my credibility, which uh, there is none, uh, in the hands of Carson Wentz. I have a I have a real sneaky suspicion that everybody's talking about the Eagles. Everybody's talking about the Giants. I think Carson Wentz is good enough to get that team to where the Colts were last year, to nine and seven. And nine and seven, I think, in the East this year could be enough to get you the NFC East crown. And anybody fitty, the Cowboys fan is seething at that take right now. Great stuff with Trevor there. Uh, when we come back, celebrating four years on Sports Radio ninety two seven FNC. Radio 92.7 FNZ, the uh, the final ride, hashtag shut it down, continues here. The gold brick ceremony coming up in uh, in 20 minutes. Real quick check-in. Has, has the first hour and 20 minutes of the show been self-indulgent enough? Because I really wanted to make sure we had some moments where it was just about Big Daddy today. Well, we're still on the air, so that's a good thing. That's true. We've not we've not uh, hit it with overkill yet. You know what, though? We just had um, the Tomato King just stopped by. You guys hear him? He's somebody on the Garage Door Guru Tax line. He bought he brought the belt. What I did not know when we talked to the Tomato King, Hacksaw was filling me in on the lineage 
of the Tomato King. He's truly the king of tomatoes. Three-time champion, baby. So explain three-time champion of what? Uh, the Homegrown Tomato Festival. I don't know what uh, what it is this year because they've just started announcing everything. I mm -hmm. think it's in the next two weeks. So I'd like to point out <laughs> that Derek Jeter and Big Poppy and all these all, all these clowns get these ridiculous, over-the-top, garish gifts when they've retired. That does not suit Big Daddy at all. Like, literally, yesterday after the show, I spent most of the evening packing up my storage unit by myself because I refuse. I'm too blue-collar. Uh, sorry, no, that's... sorry. By, by, by yourself? Sorry. With itty-bitty-fitty. I meant by myself, meaning I didn't hire help. So, um, I, you're distracting me from the point, which is I'm too blue-collar to get movers. All right, let me sell myself one last time here. <laughs> but, so, like, I don't want anything garish. But two of the I've gotten two gifts so far in my my walk off. Well, one itty bitty fitty did bring in donuts today. That was very nice of him. I did break my fast or my intermittent fasting so I could have one because they were fantastic. Uh, Krispy Kreme for life. But the two things John Hancock gave me a what I'm pretty sure is a Hawaiian T-shirt. I haven't opened it yet, but he hinted at it, which is like the Pope giving you a Pope's hat. <laughs> All right. That's the, there's nobody you want in this town. There's nobody you want to get a Hawaiian shirt from more than, than John Hancock, uh, Charlotte's most beloved. And then the tomato king just gave me a bunch of great maters, just a bunch of great tomatoes and gave me a couple cukes, gave me some bread. So these are the parting gifts. Coach K got a puppy and I'm sure he got other really ridiculous things from boosters. Big daddy got uh, some tomatoes from North and Carolina. Did he give you any pineapples? No, that would have been really weird if uh, the Tomato King was like, I also have pineapple. <laughs> pineapple King at night. But this one's <laughs> upside down, if you know what I mean. We got some clarification on that because uh, Hacksaw's Hawaiian shirt has an upside down pineapple. Mm -hmm. And if you see that on somebody's porch, it means they're looking for a swingers party. If a pineapple is facing up, it actually means there's a swinger party about to go down. Oh. Which, okay. Before we get into this next part, um, my wife, my wife, and my kids, and my in-laws went to a, uh, we rented an Airbnb on Myrtle Beach, and but I was actually supposed to go with them, and then, you know, I didn't think it was right to take two vacations in my last four weeks, and so I ended up working, but they went, and in one of the pictures, I'll have to find it, there is a pineapple on the porch. So uh, I don't know if I unwittingly uh, rented a house that involves uh, orgies, and I sent my family to it, but I will tell you, I 100% remember seeing a pineapple on the porch of the place that my family rented for our uh, North Myrtle Beach, uh, the final trip here, the final summer trip to Myrtle before we head back to Cleveland. In the meantime, it has been exactly four years. By the way, Jeff's saying today is his last day, also changing jobs. Jeff, good luck, buddy. Well, anybody else out there, it, I've, I've forgotten how much energy, effort, and focus it takes to change, to, to change a job and also to move. And you forget that. Four years was just long enough for me to go from I'm never moving again to, you know, moving's not that bad. So what I'm saying is it's going to take at least four years before I mo switch houses again uh, now that we found our hopefully forever home in Manaway, Ohio. However, it has been four years. So I wanted to know, looking back at the last four years, I wanted to hear what you guys think are the best 
Charlotte, it can be Carolina sports moment if you're more of an ACC fan. But what are the best Charlotte and sports, uh, Charlotte and Carolina sports moments over the last four years since Big Daddy got here in July of 2018? And the reason why I bring this up is one of the reasons I was so excited to move down here was I had been through the absolute ringer with Browns football. The last three years in Cleveland, the Browns were tanking. And not just tanking a little bit, they were tanking a lot. And they had just picked Baker Mayfield with the number one pick overall. And while I was excited for what that might represent, who the hell knew if the Browns were going to be able to pull that off and stabilize the organization? So I came down here thinking, I got Cam Newton, I got Ron Rivera, I got Pep, I got uh, the Khalil brothers, I got a young Timo, I got... Uh, at the, you know, Christian McCaffrey going into year two. I was so freaking excited. And the first 18 or the first eight games of 2018 ended up being the absolute and unequivocal highlight of Panther football in my time here. And I had no idea. I remember we were, we were, we were shouting the P word. Me and Parcel were screaming the P word because they were six and two. And there was no way the Panthers didn't make the playoffs that year. By the way, they ended up at seven and nine. And literally the next year after that was Ron getting fired. And since then it's been five win city. So let's look at this. Let's look, let's continue to look at this. What was, or what has been the best Charlotte and Carolina sports moment over the last four years? Cause from the Panthers perspective, the first eight games of 28, uh, 18 ended up being the highlight. And I ended up, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if now that I'm going back to Cleveland, I don't know if they're going to go back to sucking and Carolina's going to be able to, you know, be in the playoffs again, man, that's going to suck. If next year, the Browns are like five and 12 and the Panthers are like 12 and five and in the playoffs with Baker, I'll just know the Nick Wilson curse is even greater than the, uh, the Mac curse. Jack saying, uh, number two is the Baker trade. And number one is cam coming back. That's a really great, like it sucks that that moment was dampered by the end of the season and by yet another Panthers collapse. But I was in Disney world when they signed cam and it was Willie P and Stan on the air doing the show at the time. And I literally called in because I had to talk about it because it was it was the, the vibe like I was looking on Twitter just sitting there in Disney World at lunch. And the vibe was just people just elated that Cam was back. And then you go from Cam being back to the, the touchdown he scored, the red zone touchdown against Arizona. Then the next week as starter, uh, having one of his best performances we had seen from Cam since the first eight games of 2018 or in Carolina, because he'd had the nice first few games in new England. It was, if you could only have stopped it there, it'd be a movie. Unfortunately, you know, there was the Joe Brady getting fired stuff and Jeff Nixon and, you know, quarterback juggling and all that stuff. But yeah, I actually think that's an, I, I didn't have that on my list. Cam's return to, to Carolina last year was for about a three or four week period. What are the biggest shots in the arm Charlotte Sports had had? That was a great submission. Itty bitty fitty. You are a uh, you are a, you live in historic Lancaster, historic Monroe. You are not a Charlotte Sports fan per se, but you had a couple thoughts on this. What do you have? So you 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 took my Cam Newton one and they give me any credit for it. So that was no, one of No, it was the text line. The text line had it. It was Jeff on the text line. Why, I also why you said it in the pre-show. Um, and then so I mentioned because I am an ACC guy. 
And it wasn't a happy ending for Carolina, but that Duke-UNC game in the ACC tournament in the Spectrum Center, mm-hmm. the only one that Zion got to participate in the rivalry, was everything that the ACC tournament and that rivalry is on a neutral floor. Mm-hmm. So that one that one comes up. I think I think we have to mention, even though like it didn't happen here, but Duke-Carolina in the Final Four yeah. for the first time ever. I was going to say the Zion phenomenon. Um you know, Duke in North Carolina is always a story, and ACC hoops is always a story. But Duke, you know, Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones, that year of basketball, we talked about Duke, and we talked about ACC basketball from November till the NBA draft. And it was it was one of the few times where we've seen a, a team or an individual elevate college basketball to national consciousness for a full season. The Zion phenomenon has not worked out in the NBA, but in terms of covering it here in the media, it was a ratings boon. Like every time we talked about Zion, it was a good uh, you know, bump for us. So I think the Zion thing is really, that—that that is a great point about the last four years here. Uh, DJ Kahoot saying Charlotte FC's uh, record-breaking inaugural game. Listen, we've said a lot of things about uh, Big Daddy Tep, all right? And they, you know what, Tep, if you're out there and you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt, if you wanted to show up to the station, one Julian Price place here, stop on by there, all right, Big Tep? Because if, if Dave Tepper shows up to this station in a Hawaiian shirt, like half-buttoned, it's over. I, I might pull a Kenny Atkinson, all right? That's the only thing. Uh, now hearing that, Dave Tepper's assured to not show up yeah. uh, in a Hawaiian shirt, but no. Dave Tepper deserves a lot of vitriol for the things that have gone down with the Carolina Panthers. But seeing how successful Charlotte FC is and seeing something really ignite the passion of Charlotte sports fans and really ignite, uh, you know, the core of, of youth and, you know, young sports fans in this town has been really a lot of fun to watch. It really has been. So the inaugural, really anything you have about Charlotte FC is one of the one of the absolute best Charlotte sports moments over the last four years. Hacksaw, you're looking very happy there. What what do you have on the best Carolina Charlotte sports moments over the past four years? I didn't like the outcome, but the Hornets last season actually having a successful season for the first time in what seven years? Yeah, I think it has. I'll actually say. We you can you, we can dissect this a few different ways, kind of like the Charlotte FC thing. Um, watching the Hive reawaken over the last two years has been a lot of fun. And the downside is there's a bunch of bandwagon fans. And I'm not if you were at the Hive 30 years ago, I'm not referring to you. If you were even somebody who was juiced when the Bobcats came back or was there in the pocket, I'm talking about people who are are Lamelo stands. It brought a lot of those Jags into our ether. Yeah. But the truth is, the last two years, in watching the Hornets kind of slowly rise from the ashes of the last 20 years of, of hoops has been a lot of fun. And, I, you know, I've it's so ironic because on so many levels, like here at the station, you know, the, during the pandemic, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of turnover at the station uh, out off air. And even, you know, some of behind the scenes stuff. But yet now... We've been, you know, we've been with Urban One here, Radio One, for two years, and I've ne- Jeff Rickard and Marsha. I've never been more confident that we're pointed in the right direction as a station. 
I feel the same way about Charlotte sports. The irony of Nick Wilson finally leaving is I feel like I am leaving Charlotte sports in its in a in this station in a better situation than when I found it. That's not by me, by the way. That's completely uh, accidental. But like the leadership here at the station, I think is in a great situation. I think the station is stable on the ninety-two point seven uh, FM dial. I think, uh, I, I think the long term, the most doubt I have long term in Charlotte sports is probably the Panthers. But just because Baker Mayfield and Matt Rule, I, I don't know they're even guaranteed a full year here. But like the Hornets, the the Hornets' job is now to not mess up. LaMelo Ball in the next five years. And MJ tried his damnedest this offseason. Charlotte FC, it's it's locking into a uh, trajectory and, and keeping it on the right path. So the, the question we have for you here is, I've been here since July of 2018. What have been the best Carolina and Charlotte sports moments over the last four years? I also have to throw out the Kemba, this is my city moment. The playoff appearances absolutely deserve to be the peak of Kemba Walker. But of the last few years with Kemba, this is my city. That was national news and a lot of fun to talk about when Kemba went off for 100-plus points in two games. The Gold Brick Ceremony next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, the final voyage of the Nick Wilson Show, my four years here uh, in Charlotte. Coming to a close today, we are just about halfway through the show. And I'll be honest, if Jim Salania didn't get us thrown off the air earlier with his question, um, and if you guys missed it, it was about 10.25, 10.30 today. You're actually going to hear it in a minute in the in the gold brick. But if you want to hear the full context of Jim Salania and why he brought this up, WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits, and uh, and <laughs> hours, bits, and interviews. But one of the most successful bits we've done is named after Jim Salania. It is the gold brick ceremony. We give you guys the four best moments from the show, and then itty bitty fitty, Hackshaw and myself are going to react to them. On air. So, as I've said, my final week at FNZ got started with Itty Bitty Fitty getting the better of me while Willie P was on the show in studio on Monday. What was your favorite tweet I sent out from your account? <laughs> Just be honest. Was it the chocolate chip jo- chocolate chip pancakes no, tweet the, or was it the Rock Chalk Jayhawk no, no, tweet? No, no, the, no the, it was the Josh Marlowe Met fan tweet because trying to say that somebody who used to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan is a better Met fan than me. We had is, a deal about is a, that. It's a bunch of garbage. We had a Ooh. deal about my former St. Louis Cardinal fandom, Willie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he used and to be a Panthers fan too, right? <laughs> what, what else did you used to be a fan of? You. Walked <laughs> <laughs> right into that one. Didn't even need Fat Andy and phone a friend. We've reached the point here, guys, where now uh, it used to be when Itty Bitty Fitty would get the better of me, I'd be like, all right, payback's coming. Now I'm just like a proud dad. Like, you know what? Tee off, King. Like, do what you do. If you get the drop on me, take the shot. It's okay. Did That only happened. After I disclosed about Ramsey, right? Like, that's when I got the free pass to make fun of you. Because ever since then, 
Like, like the last month and a half has been like a war between you and I just dropping shots at each other. Oh, yeah. I think Ramsey was the moment where you unveiled the kimono and just revealed yourself to the city of Charlotte. <laughs> like, you you just exposed yourself. And since, since Ra- Ramsey shouted his way onto the air, no, please, Josh. <laughs> Ever since then... Uh, I feel like the better version of you has shown up. First off, it's not a free pass, itty-bitty-fitty, because uh, it's going to come back to haunt you someday. Trust me, just knowing from experience. Uh, Two, I like that I'm not the only one you live in my head rent-free. You also for Willie B as well. I think a little bit with itty-bitty-fitty, but I think it's... He's got like at least one door left locked. All right, so here's the way I would say it. It's like in Star Wars. It's in Star Wars when Kylo Ren can just get into the minds of people who don't have force powers. That's you and Willie P. He's kind of like Ray. Right? Like you're you're kind of like a Ray. Woman? Well. Uh, no, I'm saying in terms of force powers, you oh, can okay. at least fight back against my my you know living rent free in your head. So I'm a Jedi. Eh, not yet. Yeah, let's not go that far, <laughs> oh, okay. young Padawan. That's number one. <laughs> number two. Tuesday during charming or chach. I made, I'm gonna miss that. I made a snide remark about what old people having fun in the bedroom, and like it usually does, those words came back to bite me in the butt. Tar Heel B saying, the 65 gets more ass than you. Chach. Eddie. Nope, that's charming. No, chach. Are you telling me that... Show oh, your so, work. So, you don't get butt. You meant <laughs> 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 to say, you don't get laid. <laughs> so, by just process of elimination, if a, if a 65-year-old's getting any booty, they're getting laid more than you. You don't even understand. Old people... Not only do they love to get freaky deaky, they've been doing it for 50, 60 years. They know how to get down. Go into any nursing home and tell me older people don't like to get it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Meemaw, Peepaw, Pap Pap, Grandma, they're all doing the things that you wish you were doing on any given night. Random listeners, Pap Pap right now has got three dates lined up for this Friday, and he's just going to knock them out like Wilt Chamberlain. They might, There might be a lobby that they're waiting on. Oh, I'm just waiting for Papa. That's all I'm waiting for. I don't know why Mickey Mouse is waiting to get in from Papa. Oh, Papa. But, oh, yeah, that's right. Right there. Uh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? So here's the. I want part of my legacy to be me talking about old people's sex on air. Because in every iteration of the show, Wilson and Parcel did, has, has, has talked about old people uh, boom boom time. Uh, Fleet and I talked about old people getting down and clowning. Uh, I have now talked about it. It is it vexes me. Young people think that the only people knocking boots are in high school through the time they're first married. I'm here to tell you. I have been married since I was 21 years old. I have a vigorous, vigorous bedroom life. And not just that. Old people like to get down too. So don't just look at your mama and peepaw and wait to collect that inheritance. Realize when you go to Shady Pines, they just either got finished doing something you don't want to think about or they're on their way to doing something unmentionable. Put some respect on them booty getting ways for the old people here in America. I just had this vision of you and Vanessa in a retirement home, 
75, 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, Vanessa. Oh. <laughs> Why is Mickey Mouse? Because <laughs> that's what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe maybe pull back in the reins a little bit. Um, yeah, Vanessa knows. Like she's she didn't have to worry about me stepping out on her. But uh, God forbid that she goes first. If I end up in a retirement community, big dad, like I was at Bar Argonne four years ago when I walked in determined to be the mayor of Charlotte and got kissed by a man. I'm telling you right now, you let me lose at 70 years old, 75 years old in a retirement community. No, mo- no one's mama is safe. I'm just going to say that right off the rip. I just imagine you with a walker just walking around going, Hey, yeah. want to go to Boom Boom Town? <laughs> Got my socks on. I, I would have, I'd actually go, Walker, I barely know her. <laughs> Number three. Yesterday, during What You Burning On, I stood up for Mrs. Mac after Mac offered to let Flounder sleep in their marital bed while he's dog-sitting this week. The, the young man is is house sitting and dog sitting for the McLean family, and you know Mac was going to let Flounder sleep in their bed, and Mrs. Mac kind of gave Mac the look. It was like, are we really going to do that? So now Flounder has to sleep in Mac's son's bed. I'm burning on the good instincts of Mrs. Mac. I think Mrs. Mac played this perfectly. I don't want, you know, I don't want that virgin sleeping in my marital bed. I would, you know, if you had watched uh, Artemis more than once before our, our great pup passed away, there's no way in hell I would have let you stay in my marital bed. I know what you do to Mama's couch. No way in hell I'm letting one of you DJs get into my marital bed. Uh, man, Momos are taking quite the pounding in this uh, conversation. Uh, all right. I would like to stick by. This is another definitive Nick Wilson take. You can't let anybody... Okay. You can't let anybody else sleep in your marital bed. You just can't. Yeah. And, like, uh, I'm very iffy about letting other people house sit. Like, when my sister-in-law was first married and house sitting when we went on vacation, I didn't want her. No, that's my marital bed. That's where me and the missus get down to clown. I feel like Mrs. Mac, she's, she's playing chess. And Mac and Flounder were playing checkers or maybe Uno or something. I don't really have anything to comment. You would be the last person. Why? Why? Mama's couch. All right? That's a sacred couch. (laughs) That is an old lady's couch. And you have defiled that couch. All right? So if you'll do that to your own grandmother's couch, what do you do to my marital bed? Hacky? Well, first off, couch and bed are a little different. But two, uh... <laughs> yes, I'm aware. I'm just saying. Uh, I understand. Also, come on, Flounder. You didn't know. Like, like you just thought, oh, it's cool. I'm going to just sleep in a married couple's bed. No, no, Mac offered. Flounder did it. Yeah. Yeah, Mac should have never offered. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> That, that tracks. Mac just kind of blind, not, not thinking about... So, this is why Mrs. Mac is really rules the roost. Because she thinks of all angles before, before you know, executing a plan. Mac was just like, hey, you want to sleep in the bed? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll leave, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just pull the sheets off and you just sleep bare ass on the bed. Like, Mac is just, hey, I want to get out of here. Mrs. Mac thinking ahead. So you're saying she drives the, uh, the marriage? Okay. That was bad. All right. Come Number on. four. I mean, this has been a good segment until just now. <laughs> oh, sorry. Am I the bit killer? <laughs> bit killer! <laughs>
finally. Uh... Oh, okay. <laughs> we are about to get sued by Disney on this one. <laughs> finally, earlier in the show, other FNZ legend Jim Selenia. He called, following Nick's story about going to the gay bar in Charlotte, his first Charlotte experience, if you will. What a, what a summation of what happened <laughs> early in the show. Yeah. And he, he asked Nick a hypothetical question about being in a relationship with Hacksaw. Uh, Nick, here's the question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, I know you like to play what ifs. <laughs> if you were gay and if Hacksaw, if, if Hacksaw were gay... Would you two be married? I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so. We're we're the same type. We're bears. I'm like a, I don't know what they call I don't know what they call super bears, but I'm like I'm like a super bear. I'm like a bear on steroids. All right, I'm I'm six foot four, broad shoulders, you know, beard, whatnot. Steroids. I have a little bit more of an athletic frame. I don't think we'd be this. I, I mean, I'm sure bear. I actually know for a fact. My buddy Eric is a bear, and he's married to another bear. But I don't think if I, if I was gay, I don't think I'd be into to to other bears. I, I I like well, really. There's Mink. I'd like to point out, Jimmy. I am aware that bears mate. I was waiting for the Jim Selenia drop in that let, let us know it was time to move on from the bit. But when he said, when, you know, bears mate, the way that he said it was so damn funny. That's the way. That's what we call the Jim Selenia walk-off shot. I think he really didn't think you knew. I think he was like, just so you know. <laughs> bears mate. Yeah, that's, you know, it's not the chicken or the egg thing. Bears do, in fact, mate here. Uh, itty bitty fitty, what are we calling the gold brick contenders today? IBF roast. Paw Paw. All right, Paw Paw. <laughs> <laughs> Marital bed, okay. and then bears mating. <laughs> I wonder right. which one will win. So we're gonna put these up on. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna put these up at WFNZ. You guys have until 1:45 today. We'll bequeath the award for the best moment from the show. Again, the candidates: IBF roast, paw paw, marital bed, and bears mating. The third rendition of the hack song of the week next on Sports Radio. 92.7 FNC.